Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, we can turn to the same scripture we did uh, last week, Exodus 33. Exodus 33, and I want to read from verse 12. The Bible says this. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you you have found uh, favour with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. So I may know you. And continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Let's keep reading. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What a great promise. And then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. One other verse, uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. You don't have to turn to this. Uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word and we thank you for this opportunity to gather together and, um, and, and Father, to be able to look at the Scriptures together. Father, we know that every time we do that, you begin to speak to us. And I just pray that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that as we study the Word, that it would, it would come alive into our hearts, that a thought, an idea, a concept would speak to each and every one of us. And Father, we bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak your word and to be able to hear your word. We love you so much, Lord God. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that this word is going to accomplish what you intended for it to accomplish. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we're in a series entitled um, The Ways of God, a phrase that comes from Moses, uh, uh, Moses prayer to God. We just read it in our text. Moses said, if you're pleased with me, uh, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. I, I just love the prayer. I love the, I love the spirit of the prayer. It, it's, it's the heart of Moses. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the heart of Moses towards God. It's, you know, Lord, if you're pleased with me, um, uh, t- just teach me your ways. So that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Now, I know that most of us are supposed to kind of stand on the promises of God and the identity of Christ. And and I know that, that, you know, we should never doubt uh, uh, God's love for us because the Bible says that we are loved by God. But if we're all honest with ourselves, we sometimes wonder if God is actually pleased with us. So as Moses is saying this, and we read it, if we're honest with ourselves, it kind of resonates inside of our spirit. 
because we know God loves us, but sometimes we're not sure if, if he's pleased with us. That's why I love this. And we, we probably need to do another sermon on if you're pleased with me and, and all of that. We'll come back to that some other time. But I, I just love the spirit of it. It's, it's, this, it's Moses opening up before God. He's, he's, uh, his heart is open for him. He says, God, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. Because I want to know you and I want to find favour with you. We said last week that the ways of God refers to the principles of God, the commands of God, the things that God thinks are important, the will of God for our lives. Um, uh, it, it can represent a whole, a whole number of things. When the Bible talks about way or uses the word ways uh, of God, it can, it can, it can represent so, so many things. It can re represent the will of God for our lives. As Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 uh, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Your ways acknowledge him there are God's ways our ways in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight it speaks about the will of God when the Bible talks about the ways of God it's 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 the way that God does things it's the way that God does things and I love the analogy here. Uh, it's, it's that of a road. It's a, a road is leading somewhere. And if you, if you follow a path, a way, a road, it's going to lead you to a certain destination. Um, and there's, there's our way of doing things. And then there's God's way of doing things. Um, so the whole, whole concept of God's way uh, is, well, 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 this is the way that God goes and or, or, and then but there's other ways as well go over to the new testament and jesus said you know there's wide is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to eternal life there's there's roads there's different roads there's different ways that we can travel in life there's different decisions that we can make god has given us free will and and we can choose which way we actually travel and the greatest thing that we can do is choose the ways of god which is the way that God would go? As I'm confronted with this situation, which way would God go? Which way would God take? Uh, the Bible says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. I love that. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's decision-making processes are higher than our ways. God sees things completely different to the way we do. And He says, in my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't know about you, but I want to know what the ways of God are. I want to know what they are. Moses, teach me your ways. I want to know what they are. See, in life, we go through all kinds of situations and challenges, decisions that need to be made, relational issues, problems, and we don't always know how to respond or what to do. And we, we want to experience uh, things like happiness and peace and significance. And we wonder, how can that become a reality in our life? And so the world presents a way. The world presents a way to joy and peace and happiness. The, the, the world says, you know, power is where you're going to find it. If you pursue power, the way of power is going to lead you to a place of peace or the way of possessions or the way of pleasure. That's the way. And the world says, take this way and it's going to give you everything that you want. One of the things that helps us to know the principles by by which, which, one of the things that helps us in, in determining which way 
is to understand the ways of God. Because God says there's another way. There's another way to, 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 to find peace and joy and so on. Um, Psalm 128 says this, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. But ble ble Blessed is everyone. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. That's the word blessed. Whenever you, you see that in Scripture, it's, it's, it's the word happy. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His way. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Prosperity is a, is a Bible word. It's something that we can experience. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, owning a Ferrari or whatever. But hey, if, they, if you're blessed and you have, that's cool. But, but it, it's, it's a prosperous life. I want to know the ways of God. I face that we face stuff all the time, situations all the time. And I and, and the question I ask, well, what would you do, God? What would you do in this situation? How would you handle this one? How would you respond in this situation? What are the ways of God? Because the way I reckon we should deal with this is this. But what I've realized again and again and again, my ways are not good ways. <laughs> Your ways are always better and they don't always make sense. I want to know your ways, God. Oh, look, church, church, listen. Listen, man, we should just sit here for the rest. That's it. And I want to know the ways of God. You know, I, as you get older, you watch. You watch people. You watch lives. You watch people make decisions in life. You watch how people react and respond to situations. And, and you know, you, 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 I'm a bit of a rescuer. I want to rescue people all the time. And, and I can't always do it. But I'm watching and I'm saying, no, the decisions you're making are not good decisions because they don't line up with the Word of God. No, the way you're going is it's the 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 direction you the road you've chosen. It's not going to lead you to a good place. It's going to lead you to a bad. Don't go down that road. Found over the years, doesn't matter how much I scream, people say, "Thank you, Pastor Joe. You're very smart. You're a blessed man. Bless your heart, Pastor Joe. You're a good guy." But don't worry, I'm all cool. I know what I'm doing. And, and inevitably, I, you know, you can see where this is going to go. And there's another way. God gives us another way, a better way, a higher way. God, God, God shows us a different way to handle those very same situations. And, and, you know, in the past, I knew everything. I knew everything, especially when I was 18. I knew everything then. Uh, you ask me any question. I, 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 you know, you heard me say before, the, the, the people I used to work with, they go, Joe, you're amazing. You just, you just, you know, you, you know so much. When I, when I was 18, man, I was smart. You know, <laughs> you know, I had gave marriage counselling. I hadn't got married yet. Raising children. I mean, I knew it all. And I discovered when I got married and had kids, I didn't know very much at all. <laughs> and the older I get, come on, many older people here, the older you get, the less you, you understand that you know. You know, zip, mate. You know, nothing. You know, nothing at all. Nothing. <laughs> and... Um, and so what that's caused me to do is, is, but, uh, is, is depend more on God. Because I figured out somewhere along the line is that His ways are better than my ways. 
that, 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 that the way He does things is better than the way I do things. And so I've learned to say, you know what? You know what, God? Whenever there's an issue, I think I know how I want to handle it, but let's talk about it, God. What do you think we should do in this situation here? What are your ways? How, what, what's your way of dealing with this? It's powerful. Because inevitably, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm kind of, uh, that's just the way I think, you know, problem, options, A, B or C, you know, it's just the way my brain works and I kind of present it to A, B or C and I know which one I want him to pick. I want pick A, pick A, pick A. And because uh, uh, that's the one that's juicy, you know, there's always a juicy one on the list of A, B and C. I say pick A, pick A and God says C, you know, that's the one I didn't want, you know. Um, God's ways are higher than our ways. Come on, church. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I want to know the ways of God. This is why Moses is at a particular stage in his life. We're going to look at this in just a moment. I mean, this is Moses who has seen the glory of God. He's that so much. And yet in this situation in his life, he's still saying, Lord, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. I just want that verse to become a revelation in our hearts. If we learn nothing else from this series, I just want that verse to become an obsession in our life. Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to know your ways because I want to know you and experience your favour. Last week we said the ways of God can be learnt. It's why we gather on a Sunday morning because we want to learn the ways of God. It's where we want to learn the teach the principles of God. It's why we open the scriptures every single day. We start the morning off by reading a chapter. We pray, Lord, speak to me because, because we want to learn the ways of God. We go to life group because every time we gather, there's an opportunity to learn a little bit more about the ways of God. The ways of God are different to the acts of God. We said that last week. We're fascinated with the acts of God. Moses doesn't say, Lord, teach me your acts or show me your acts. He says, show me your ways. I'm going to get less about the miracles and the grand. He had seen it all. He had seen it all. And he says, no, no more of that. What I actually want to know is I want to know you. I want to know you. Learning the ways of God helps us know God and experience His favour. And all of this raises a, a question for me, which is, well, what are the ways of God that reveal the heart of God and release His favour? That's a great question. It's still a great question. Um, you know, I've been wrestling with this series all year. i uh, got a little black book when I have right ideas in and I just have, which direction could we take here? You know, what, what direction could we take? And we still might explore some of those other directions that are thinking. But, but you know, what, what, why don't you write that down? What are, the way, what are the principles of God in Scripture? You can start with the Ten Commandments. You can start with the Beatitudes. What, what are the ways of God that reveal the heart of God and release His favour? Last week, we said that one of the ways is the way of desire. We said desire is powerful because we move towards whatever it is we desire. Our desire, God has created us with desires. We move towards whatever it is that we really desire. If our desire is to know God, then it's pretty powerful. We said we can have all kinds of desires. We can desire to get a promotion. Nothing wrong with any of that. Get married, have children, buy a house. Nothing wrong with any of those things. 
But the greatest desire we can have is, like Moses, Lord, teach me your ways because I want to know you. I know I want to know you. One of the themes that's been kind of going through my mind and heart and spirit is the whole theme of revival. There's a lot of talk about revival in church today. There's a whole lot of churches and all over the world speaking about revival because it just feels like, you know, we're, we're, we're on the cusp of a, of a move of God. You know, I, I preached in, uh, in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago and you know, I said, you know, what, what our world needs today is not a better sermon. <laughs> it's not a better program. It's not a better marketing strategy. It's not what the world needs. What we need to see is a move of God. What we need to see is God move amongst us in power where we look back and go, well, that can only be a move of God. I was listening to some material by Winky Prattney, uh, old material and really interesting. He actually uh, um, does a, uh, shows the relationship between a pandemic and revival. <laughs> What are the similarities between a pandemic and a revival? I thought this guy's speaking prophetically. And a couple of the categories, number one, to really be a pandemic, it's got to be able to kill you. (laughs) Revivals, in order for us to experience revival, something's got to die inside of us. Self has to die. Idolatry has to die. And, and, and then it, and it's, it's got to be contagious. It's got to, it's got to just, just be infected quickly. And a couple of other, and, and also he said something like it needs to be adaptable. He can adapt in cultures and everywhere and, and just change and transform and, uh, and, and so on. Just some really interesting things. And, I, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm, my prayer is I want to see a revival. So how do we see a revival? Well, we can pray for a revival. That's that the, the Bible says, you know, Psalm says, will you not revive us again? Nothing wrong with praying about that. But ultimately we see revival, not, not, not by seeking revival. We get revival by seeking God. And hence why this scripture is so powerful. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord, because I want to know you. It's the seeds of revival are in this verse here. It's not, oh God, we want to see the miraculous. No, Moses didn't want the acts of God. He wanted to know God. We want to see a revival. It, it comes by pressing into God. I want to know you, God. We, we, we keep prattening. We get revival, not by seeking revival. We get revival by seeking God. And so this verse comes alive and it says, teach me your way so that I may know you, God. One of the prayers I've had all year has been, Lord, draw us to yourself. Lord, draw us to, we're so distracted. We're so, we got so much on and so much happening and we're all over the shop. And I've been praying, God, draw us to yourself. Draw us, let us have a greater revelation of who you are, what it is you want to do in our lives. Help us to see you and know you and draw nearer to you. Greatest desire we can have. All the other desires, good, greatest desire. Like Moses, teach me your way so I may know you. Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's another life scripture that one of those you ought to memorize. Delight yourself in the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Put God first. And as you, as you delight yourself in the Lord, something begins to happen. His desires become your desires and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's beautiful. Well, today I want to speak about another way in the time I have left. 
And it's the way of humility. Again, this way is embedded in the text itself. You see, when Moses asked to know the ways of God, he was not a novice. Moses had successfully led the people of Israel out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. He had uh, consistently seen the power of God, provision of God, manna from heaven, water from a rock, 10, 10 plagues and miraculous signs to get Israel out of Egypt, a pillar of fire, cloud guiding Israel. The Bible says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I mean, this guy was not a novice. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have an L plate on his back. He didn't have a P plate. He wasn't in training. This guy had seen God move in a powerful way. I mean, he goes up to a burning bush and God begins to speak to him through that. That's enough to change your life. But this guy saw more and more and more. He saw, uh, he saw his staff become a snake, picks it up, become... I mean, this guy saw the power and the presence of God. Yet despite all of this revelation, come on, despite all of this, he still says to God, if you're pleased with me, Teach me your ways, because I need you desperately. If we're going to get closer to God, we need to cultivate humility. The opposite of humility is prideful independence of God. It's people who say, I can do it on my own. I don't need God. I'm smart enough, strong enough. I can get through this. Pride is at the core of all of the sins. Um, every sin kind of finds its way back to pride. Pride is, I want to do things my way. I don't want to do things God's way. Oh no, Pastor Joe, the greatest sin is X, Y, and Z. No, 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 no. The greatest sin is pride. It was the first sin. God said, don't touch the tree. And Adam and, you know, uh, and Adam and Eve, oh, yeah, eat the fruit, you know. Don't touch the wet cement. You know what I mean? It's the sign is there. It's clear. We've got to touch the wet cement. It's inside all of us. Come on. It's inside all of us. Pride is at the core of all the sins. And here's the other thought. Humility is at the core of all the virtues, of all of the great virtues. It's the virtue of all the virtues. Everything else comes under this one virtue, humility. Bible says that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. What a powerful scripture. God, God He resists, any people want to be resisted by God. You do not want to be resisted by God. Be resisted by people, but don't let, don't be resist, don't, don't have God pushing back at you. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Grace is not just forgiving grace, it's also enabling grace. God gives us the ability to do things we could never do on our own. And what helps us know God, experience His favour, is to cultivate a humble heart towards God. Question then, if humility is so important, well, how do we develop it? Humility isn't something that you buy on, online. Humility is not something you get uh, by reading a book or even hearing a sermon. Oh, I heard a sermon on humility. Now I am humble. Before then I wasn't, but now I am. I heard a sermon. Pastor Joe preached it. Uh, humility is a virtue that is developed in our lives ultimately by the grace of God. So how does he do that? Well, I want us to learn from three of the most humble people in Scripture and see how humility was developed in them. Well, one of the ways that God develops humility in, in our lives is through a desert season. 
And the person that teaches us this is Moses himself. Bible says that Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone on the face of the earth. By the way, it's a bit of a funny verse because it's believed that Moses actually wrote the first five books of the Bible. So him writing this verse, it's just one of, it's, anyway, I'm not sure. Uh, so, 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 I'm, I'm humble and I'm proud of it, you know. <laughs> um, uh, we're, we're not 100% sure that he actually wrote that one. I can't see him writing that verse. The question for me is, how did Moses actually become a humble man? Where was the quality of humility developed in his life? Well, Moses certainly wasn't humble in Egypt. At one point, he thought he was uh, strong enough to deliver the people of Israel. In so doing, he killed an Egyptian. The next thing we know, that he was on the run and he spent the next 40 years in the desert. How does God develop humility in our lives? Moses teaches us that one of the ways that God develops humility in our lives is through the desert season. One of the ways that God develops humility in our lives is by leading us into the desert, by leading us into a dry season, a wilderness season. It's really interesting how God does this. We're going through a, a season of blessing and favour. I love those seasons. Uh, we think we can change the world. We think that we are God's gift to the world. We know everyone is special in God's sight, but we are just a little bit more special than everybody else. We think God has selected us because of our amazing qualities, our righteousness, our dedication, our commitment to holiness and truth. We say, oh God, Use me for your glory. And we mean it. And we mean it. We sincerely mean it. God says to us, are you, are you ready for the next season of your life? And we say, I am ready. I was born ready. And then God says, okay, follow me. And he leads us into a season of the desert. Season where everything we touch goes wrong, where our decisions are all wrong. We can't feel the presence of God. We feel like God has left us. We wonder what happened. It's where our dreams die. The dream that was so clear now is not clear anymore. We had the next 10 years all mapped out and now we're thinking how conceited we were to even think that we could be used by God. The desert season. God appears to Moses 40 years later and says... I want you to lead the people of Israel. He kills an Egyptian. He goes on the run, spends the next 40 years in his life in the desert. At the end of that 40-year period, um, God appears to Moses in a burning bush and says, I want you to lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Moses says to God, he says, it's about time. I've been waiting for you to show up. He says, I've been waiting for 40 years that you would finally show up and tell me what to do. Is that what Moses says? No. Look, look at Moses. He says, I can't do it. You've got the wrong man. Choose someone else. Nothing like a desert season to develop humility in our lives. Hebrews says this about Jesus, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered from the difficulties, the challenges. Another great example of this principle is in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was pretty good. He says in Daniel chapter four, listen, listen, to, the, listen to what pride sounds like. Is this not the great Babylon I have built as uh, the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? 
God said, you're amazing, Nebuchadnezzar, but let me show you how amazing you really are. And even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, your royal authority has been taken from you. And God led him into a wilderness for seven periods of time where he lost everything, lost his mind, lived in the, in the, in the, in the jungle. And, and at the end of that period... Watch what happened next, verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation. to All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold Him back and say, what have you done now? Uh, now, now, after a desert season, now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are, and all his, there it is the word again, and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. How does he humble those who walk in pride? Sometimes he leads them into a desert season. Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was restored and, and then God used him in a powerful way. Moses teaches us that one of the ways God develops humility sometimes is through the desert. Another way God develops humility is by exposing our weaknesses. We learn this from another incredibly humble man, the Apostle Paul. He's another giant of the faith in the Bible, someone who experienced incredible things, just miraculous things that Paul had experienced. And, uh, you know, he was writing most of the New Testament. He didn't know it at the time, but, but he wrote most of the New Testament. He'd been up to the third heaven, the seventh heaven. He'd, he'd revelations, unbelievable, miraculous healings. But look at some of the things he said about himself. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the very least of all the saints. I'm the foremost of sinners. I mean, just, just, just listen to this. I mean, time out. If God used one of us to pray for someone and they were miraculously healed, how would we handle that? We'd be writing books making movies, touring, you know, how, this, it's the way you pray for them, you know, it's the hand, you know. It seems like the more the Apostle Paul walked with God, the more humble he became. You, you read through it and you, you time, you time his, his scriptures and you see that it, the more he walked with God, the more humble he became. He says, you know, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the very least of all the saints. I'm the foremost of sinners. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Where did Paul learn humility like this? Paul had a unique experience with God. You know the story. We've all heard about the thorn in the flesh. The Bible says, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited or proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to remove it. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Even the Apostle Paul uh, had un unanswered prayer in his life. He says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because, because of the great revelations, Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. 
And the purpose of the thorn was not to, not to bring him down. The purpose was so that he didn't become conceited or proud. And Paul, Paul then has this complete shift in his mind towards the thorn in the flesh because he says, when I'm weak, I depend more on God. Because when I'm weak, I, learn, I lean more on God. I realize I'm nothing without God. One of the great dangers of blessing, prosperity, is the temptation of pride and arrogance. We start to think that all we have is because of us. Two times where we're most susceptible to temptation. One, when we're in the bottom of the valley, in the darkest, deepest valley, where is God? That's, that's when we are most susceptible, but we're also susceptible when we're on the top of the mountain where things are going well and the enemy comes, man, you're amazing. And we go, you know what? I'm not bad, you know? <laughs> Equally susceptible to temptation. Trust me, I've had both. A church leader of many centuries ago wrote, pride makes me think that I'm the cause of my achievements and that I deserve my abilities and leads me to despise other people who don't measure up. Pride causes the illusion of self-sufficiency. I made myself, uh, I deserve all I have. Margaret Court said this, one thing you learn in sport, particularly when you're at the top, you get a lot of praise and it's wonderful and encouraging, but you learn to be dead to praise because you need to stay humble to be a champion and to stay successful, you need to stay humble. Proverbs says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. Man is tested by the praise he receives. And then there's two ways that we can react to praise. One is, oh no, it's got nothing to do with me. It's another form of pride. It's false humility. Oh no, it's keep talking. It's not me. No, no, no. Yeah, keep saying it, but it's not me. It's, you know, no. that's, that's false pride. Or we can let those thoughts seep into our spirit. David said, I will boast in the Lord. I am what I am by the grace of God. It's by his grace and for his glory. The piano can never boast about how, how well it plays because if it's playing anything good, it's because there's someone behind the keys playing. Can I hear an amen? We are just instruments in his hands. Bible says about Hezekiah, he was a great man of God. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father David had done. Uh, he'd, he'd done amazing things, but look what happened at the end of his life. But Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown to him. Therefore, the Lord, Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah. And Judah. We, we will always be tempted to pride. It's one of the sins we will all be tempted in. Pride, the three Gs. Girls, gold, glory. Guys, gold, glory. These are the three Gs, the three Ps. Possessions, pleasure, power. I think there's a three piece. <laughs> We're forever going to be tempted in those areas. And Hezekiah was a strong man, and yet he, he fell into pride. King Uzziah was the same. He was greatly used by God. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Here's the deal. One of the ways that God protects us from pride is by exposing our weaknesses. Our weaknesses remind us that if we're used by God, if we have anything... It's by the grace of God and for the glory of God. Our weaknesses cause us to depend on God. One last one, Jesus chose humility. The third way we develop humility is by choosing humility. 
and the person that teaches us that is Jesus. Paul is speaking of, of Jesus. Uh, uh, he says one of the ways that we can experience joy is by choosing the path of humility. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. How many people know that's easy to read, but not easy to do? Can I, can I is there have any friends in this, in this very spiritual church? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Paul is saying one of the ways that we can experience true joy, it's not by putting ourselves first, not by looking after number one, not by blowing your own trumpet. It's by putting the interests of others above your own. And then Paul says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, says the King James. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Where, where does humility start? It starts with our thinking. It starts with a battle in our minds, who being in very nature God, He put all of that aside and He became a human, a servant. He died, not just any kind of death, the worst kind on a cross. He did that for you and me. And the Bible says, and then God raised him and God raised him. Let God raise you. You worry about humbling yourself. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand and let Him lift you up in due season. Don't try and lift yourself up. Anybody, no, nobody likes a proud person. Nobody likes a person that brags about themselves. You go, oh man. <laughs> but you're drawn to humility. Oh, you're drawn to humility. When you, when you meet someone who's humble, you go, I want to hang out with this guy. I want to hang out with this girl. I want to I spend time with these people. Humility is attractive. It's beautiful. I've spent time with ministers that are some of the great ministers, uh, 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 you know, in our nation and even, even the world. You just meet them for the first time and suddenly, you know, this, these guys are amazing. Just incredible humility that comes from their life. Um, we were at a restaurant one time and John Bavia was in town. He happened to be eating there. And, and just, you know, he pastor that was there introduced us. And so we started talking. And I, I, I don't know this guy, for, but immediately you could just see the humility on him. And he starts talking about his Italian heritage and so on and so on, just powerful. If we want to develop humility, choose the path of humility. Peter says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to them. Clothe yourself. It's a sen there's a sense of intentionality, uh, determination. I have, to, I have to choose the path of humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. How do we humble ourselves, Pastor Joe? Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. How do we do that? By fasting. Fasting is one of the, one of the great ways of, of humbling ourselves. Ezra says we humbled ourselves by fasting, by praying and seeking God, by finding a place to serve in the body of Christ, serving the poor, saying sorry. I struggle to say sorry. <laughs> but, but, but sorry releases, it comes from a humble place by forgiving by challenging proud thoughts, by doing the opposite of what pride, pride does. And because Jesus humbled Himself, we're worshipping today in the presence of God. 
Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy, there's the word blessed, happy, contented. To be envied is the word blessed. Are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does that poor mean those who are rich can't, but those who are poor can't? Is that what it's saying? No, it's poor in spirit. There's two words in the Greek used for poverty. One word for poverty is where we don't have much, but if we work hard, we can get better. It's, I don't have a lot right now, but I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to increase my wealth. That's one word for poverty. But there's a second kind of poverty. It's the kind of poverty Jesus is talking about in the text. It's the idea of destitution, sort of like what we see in refugee camps. It's where people have nothing and they can't do anything to change their circumstances. Totally dependent on the mercy of others. If someone doesn't give them food, they have no food. If they don't have water, no water. And Jesus is saying, blessed are those who have a humble spirit, a person that has reached the end of themselves, a person that says, I can't do this on my own. Blessed are the poor in spirit who have got to the end of themselves. I can't get out of this. I can't figure this out. Because when we're spiritually destitute, we become spiritually dependent and we have the resources of heaven at our disposal. That's why humility is so important. David said this, I just love Psalm 51. He sinned, he's, he's blown it badly. And he, says, and he says to God, he's praying to God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. He had a New Testament revelation in the Old Testament. He says, I know you don't delight in burnt, burnt offerings and sacrifice, otherwise I'd give you thousands of them. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. So what are the ways of God that reveal the heart of God and release His favour? One of those ways is the way of humility. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Would you stand with me? I pray that like Moses, we would get a revelation of humility. One of the things I pray every day, because I'm not there yet. One of the things I pray every day is Lord, help me to walk humbly with you. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Let it be your prayer this week. Lord, help me to walk humbly with you. Give me a greater revelation of humility. Because I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. And I want to experience your favour. So Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us that are here today. Father, you know the, the effects of pride, how pride can destroy. Pride comes before a fall. Pride, pride, pride. And Father, I, I, I pray that as followers of Jesus Christ, that we would become like Jesus, humble, that we would have the mind of Christ and Father, pursue humility 
with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give us a revelation of who we really are, of how strong we really are, in order that we may actually become dependent on you. Because we know that when we are dependent on you, connected to the vine, that we will bear much fruit for your glory. Bind that spirit of pride that wants to bring us down. Bind that spirit of independence. Bind that spirit of rebellion in the name of Jesus, which is like the spirit of witchcraft. We bind it in the name of Jesus. We come against pride and selfishness and, and, and me, I, I, me, me, I, my way. Instead, let there be a heart of humility that is cultivated in our spirit so we can serve your purposes and be used by you. This is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You have an awesome week this week. See you Wednesday night at a powerful prayer meeting. Amen.